Hello and welcome to another episode of your friendly neighbourhood podcast, Strike the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast with a British twist. As always, I'm your host, P-Dubs, and sadly the rest of the team can't be here tonight, or should I say, haven't fucking bothered to go and see the film yet. Um, but I'm not on my own. I am joined by the man you may know as Soap Dish, or Bruce, the host with the most from Just After Dark... <laughs> Mr. Nick Branch. Wow, thank you, sir. I don't know how I could possibly, how that could be possibly topped as an intro. Thank you. Well, it's it's certainly warranted. Uh, I've learned a lot from you, uh, and we've been trying to. Oh, well, you're the only other podcast host that I've had to learn from. So, um, we've been trying to arrange this for a while, uh, and it just hasn't kind of worked out. But this time it has. Uh, as we, we forewarned you on the last episode, it is going to be our Black Panther review. Sadly, the other three haven't bothered to go and see it yet. Um, I know Craig's going at the weekend. I think Tony's going at the weekend. Josh, I haven't got a clue about because he's a fucking university student um, and we never know where he is. <laughs> um, but we thought we'd bring someone in that has actually seen the film. So, Nick, you, you actually saw it before I did. Yeah, I went, um, I didn't go opening day, I went the day after, I think. Yeah, yeah. I went Valentine's Day, yeah. So, you obviously, you go and see all the Marvel films, I know you're not as big a fan of them as, say, myself or or the rest of the team, but you do always tend to go and see them in that first mm. week because of your pass. Yeah, in yeah, in fact, the only one I haven't still seen is um, Doctor Strange. I've still not seen Doctor Strange. Um, I'm probably going to buy it because uh, at the moment in the UK, um, a lot of shops are doing a promotion where it's essentially yeah. buy they one, get one free. The cinema. Yeah. Like the, the actual price is that. Yeah, they did the other night. Oh, did they really? Oh, okay. Um, uh, so, yeah, so I'm, I've got... Because I don't own, I own a fair amount of them, but there are some that I don't. So, for example, apologies. This is another problem with the podcast when you get me on. You've also got a stupid dog. Um, let me go and sort him out. So we've lost Nick after the first couple of minutes. It's been eaten by his dog. But myself, I, I went and saw it. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't... <laughs> Well, I haven't murdered him, but I'm, I've hopefully kept him quiet. Um, yeah, so I, I haven't got, like, for example, I don't have um, Age of Ultron. I don't own Thor 2. And that's mainly because um, I'm not really a fan of either of those films. But there are ones like Civil War and Ant-Man and the, the aforementioned Doctor Strange, which um, I, I like Ant-Man fair bit and a lot i really like civil war um and doctor strange i haven't seen but i get the feeling that i pretty like that one as well so yeah um so, yeah uh, definitely gonna said, he went and saw it i think the day after it came out it came out here on the tuesday uh, a bit earlier than than the states uh i didn't go and see it until choose this tuesday so a week after it opened so it was a little bit quieter so not overly quiet mind you still fairly full and it was the uk school holidays as well um, so there was a few kids still, even though it was a an evening showing. So, not that 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 spoiled it. They didn't didn't spoil anything during the during the screening. So, so let's get into the actual crux of the episode and actually reviewing the film. Um, I'm just I'm just trying to think why I actually got. I know I got well, or just the film. I got the new Avengers trailer. Um, <laughs> And that's about all I can remember that I actually saw. Something with Emily Blunt in. Yes. Horror film, I think. I can't even think. Can't... <laughs> well, it might be a horror show, we'll see. Oh, Mary Poppins Returns. Um, but that's all I can remember. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I can't... I, I, yeah, I've got, I've got to be honest. Like, I can't remember uh, that much now since it's been a good few days now since I saw it but um, yeah that Avengers trailer which I'd already seen but I think when you see 
um, a, a big spectacle film like Avengers, even a trailer on the big screen, I think it does make it um, look that mo- much more impressive than it does on, on, you know, your home TV or laptop or whatever. Yeah, I I sat there and I sent a text to Tony while I was sitting there and went, wow, that trailer on the big screen. And he was like, what, Avengers? And I was like, yeah, what the fucking hell am I talking about? Um, but yeah, it does. When you, when you see those, those big spectacle films on the big screen, it does make an awful mm. lot of difference. Yeah, I think so. So let's get, let's get into the film and, and, and talk about that. Now, I, I don't know what your feelings mm. were going into it, but it was probably out of the three this year that I was least looking forward to. Yeah, it's, it's quite funny because, um, a few months ago, uh, I mean, some people might know me anyway, as you mentioned, a few of the podcasts at the top, but, um, one of the ones that I do with, uh, my best friend from, for, for years is, uh, is Pop After Dark. And on that, a few months ago, we were talking, I think actually we'd done an episode talking about the Avengers trailer when it had first, uh, come out. And on that, I mentioned two things about Black Panther. The first is, did we really need to see a Black Panther standalone film? Um, and also the fact it was coming out in February. And I said that to me felt like that Disney were kind of pushing it out. Marvel, Disney, uh, were kind of pushing it out there, um, out of season, probably not expecting it to do too well. So I wasn't, I didn't really have anything, uh, initially going for, for Black Panther, but, then I saw the trailer for Black Panther when I saw Star Wars. And when I saw the first trailer for that, I then thought, actually, I, I kind of take that back. Um, that looks good. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I wasn't a huge fan of the character in, in Civil War. I thought he was a little bit pushed in. Yeah. That he probably wasn't really needed. And I know I know the story goes that Kevin Feige told that originally it was because they couldn't get Spider-Man. They, they wanted a new character in there that we hadn't seen before. Right. Uh, and when they thought the deal for Spider-Man wasn't going to go through in time, they went, well, what about T'Challa? Putting him in there. And at one stage, he wasn't even going to wear the suit. Wow. He was okay. just going to be the Wakandan prince. Um, and then, obviously, they wrote him into the script, cast him, and then they got the deal done for Spider-Man. So I ended up using both of them. Interesting, so, yeah, because yeah. I've, I've got to be. That's that's exactly why before they released the trailer, I didn't have any interest in it because, like you, I just wasn't that bothered with him in Civil War. No, and I know he so, did end up having quite a big part in Civil War. I know he kind of he kind of forced it through with what was mm. going on when he realised what had happened that it wasn't Bucky and and things like that. He kind of forced the end of the movie. But still, it just it seemed like he didn't really need to be there for the for the opening salvo, as he was. Mm-hmm. Mm. But Chadwick Boseman was was some good casting. He'd obviously come off the back of a couple of massive hits, um, playing James Brown and and the like, and was quite a big. I think was quite a big deal when he was cast. Um, certainly, where they were going with the the story that they were introducing their first black superhero as such to mm. to the MCU. And I think I think they had to bring in someone with that name that people were gonna kind of go, well actually they might do something good here. And and let's let's talk a little bit about about the cast, because the cast is really quite stellar when you look at it. Um starting with, mm. with Chadwick, then Michael B. Jordan obviously he had a big hit with Creed but then did Fantastic Four, which was a massive flop. Um, so it was... It, yeah, I don't, I don't think he was responsible no, for that. Um, I mean, I've still not seen it. I've still not seen it. Um, and I still think, even though I haven't seen it, it's probably worse than the Roger Corman uh, Fantastic Four. Uh, which I had seen. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I've got to be honest, like, I, I hadn't seen... I still haven't seen Creed um, at the point we're recording this. Um, it was on my Netflix queue for ages and then it's disappeared. So it's, it's obviously been taken off now. Um, and I do want to see it, but 
I was hearing a lot of hype around him, but this really is the first film I've watched yeah. him in. Uh, he's he's very good, and and I'm going to say, and this might be unpopular, I didn't think Killmonger was as good as people have made him out to be. I enjoyed it. Interesting. Yeah. But there's so much talk that he's, he's on a par with Heath Ledger as the Joker, and but he's not. His his story, his reasoning behind um, it is is great. I've got no problem with why he does what he does. I just I don't find him particularly villainous. It's interesting you say that because um, I actually um, said I, I did a bit of a review on on Pop. Um, I actually think he's probably my favourite Marvel villain. Now it's interesting that you've mentioned Heath Ledger's Joker there. Obviously, um, you know I'm I'm not um, silly. I do know that Heath Ledger and the Joker were in a DC film, um, not a Marvel film. Um, but um, to me, I, I, I mean, I don't like the Dark Knight very much. I, I like it better than the Dark Knight Rises, but um, I don't love the Dark Knight like a lot of people do. But I do think um, what makes that film. And the best thing about that film is Heath Ledger's Joker. And if he wasn't in that film, it wouldn't be half the film it was. Um, I, I, I really think Michael B. Jordan's uh, Killmonger was, is probably the, the best Marvel villain we've had. And that might really be, um, you know, down to the villains that we've had in the Marvel Cinematic Universe so far. You know, that could be like uh, faint praise in, in one way. But I don't... I don't think it, it's fair to compare the two because the Joker is a lot of history for a lot of people. Like whether you like comic exactly. books or not, people know who the Joker is. Um, you know, he, he's iconic. Um, lots of cartoons and different versions of him in films. Um, Killmonger, unless you read the comics, you, you probably wouldn't even know the character. Uh, I certainly didn't. Um, so there's, you know, it, it's, I don't think it's fair to really compare the two, but what I think is, is different with him compared to someone like the Joker is with a lot of, and a, a lot of villains is there's a plan, you know, they want money. They want to take over the world. Um, with this guy, he wanted to kind of get his identity back. He wanted to uh, kind of claim what he thought was taken from him. Um, and so it made it, it made it, ha it made him have a different dynamic. And I, yeah, I don't think he's a traditional villain because you actually kind of sympathize with him. Yeah, exactly. Times. Yep. That's exactly how I feel. And that's, that's kind of why I can't, I can't buy him as the villain. He's kind of, I don't know how to explain it. Kind of the, the party pooper of the piece. <laughs> kind of in a, in a way that he's kind of he's right that he's kind but, of but, but, a I rain mean, on T'Challa's parade, really. Yeah, rather than but, but, actually but causing then, any harm. But do you think, uh, you know, do you think that's down to Michael B. Jordan's portrayal, or do you think that's how the character's been written? You know, what, what, who do you think is kind of responsible for that? You know, do you, do you think it's it's a limitation on his acting, or do you think that's just how the character's been written? I think it's probably a, a, a bit of both looking at it, because it's not even a, a bad performance. I don't don't think that. I, I actually really liked him. Um, I just, he doesn't come across as, obviously, as we've said before, the, that overarching villain that we've had before. So it's probably, it probably mm. is something in the writing that it's a, it's a little bit of a different take on what we've seen from, from previous villains. But, yeah. don't get me wrong, I really, really enjoyed the performance. I thought he was, he was very good at bringing what was needed to the screen. So, so mm. moving on to, to the, another character, and, and it's one us Disney fans have kind of, an actress that we've come quite used to recently, um, in Lupita Nyong'o. Um, Obviously, we've seen her in in the last two Star Wars films. She's, I believe, she's in Wrinkling Time as well, um, which is coming out. Yeah, I think so. Oh, is she? And it seems like she's kind of done a a massive deal. Okay. 
Um, so, mm. again, she's been kind of wasted a little bit in the Star Wars films, I think. She's she's not been in them a huge deal. Um, I've, read, I've read some reviews of this that said that, again, she's been underused. I actually really thought the character was quite good in this. For for a love interest as such. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, and obviously we'll probably expand on this when we talk more about the film in general, but, um, I mean, with this film, um, you've got yeah. a lot of strong female characters. And I think when you compare it to certain other female characters, yeah, you could say yeah. she's probably got short shrift. But that's only because of how strong yeah, the other characters that's are. That's true. She's she's kind of not that that warrior that obviously a couple of the other characters are, and she kind of she does take a back seat at, at times. But let's talk about the, the the main action scene. I think in in the middle of the film with the the um, the car uh, the the car chase. I think she plays a big part in that as well. Um, for that that whole scene, uh, and I really enjoyed the, the like the holographic mm. car thing that comes into play later on as well, um, with another another section in the film, and we'll talk about yes. about those characters later. But it kind of involves the three lead females in the film, including Lupita Nyong'o, uh, Danai, mm. I can never say her surname, Guerrera from Michonne from. Walking Dead is what I'll call her, um, and T'Challa's sister. Oh, hang on, is that is that who that was? Yeah, I did not because I'm I'm not a massive fan of the Walking Dead. I actually tapped out before. Uh, no, so I, I tapped out just as she was introduced. But I'm obviously very aware of the character because I know she's uh, quite a, a popular character on the show. So I'm I'm fully aware of her. And now you've said who she played in the Walking Dead. I can see her without the hair. Yeah, because obviously it's the hair that's 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 got. Yeah, me and I, I'm another one that's walked away from The Walking Dead. I think I managed to watch about a season with her in. Um, so I'm very similar to you, and I think her character is far better in Black Panther than it is in in The Walking Dead. Um, so, mm. and th- those three characters we'll we'll talk about Shuri in a minute. Um, Letitia Wright, who plays uh, T'Challa's sister. Those three form mm-hmm. a, a real solid female bond throughout the film, um, which, again, is something new for Marvel, which we haven't seen in previous films. So it's really it's quite nice to have these different touches, and this is, I think, what is standing out for me throughout this film, is there's just some, some very subtle changes to the formula, which I don't think we've seen for a while. I, the, the one thing I think about this film is it stands out from yeah. other Marvel films. Like you say, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's tweaked things, but also I think there's things in that film that you haven't seen in any other Marvel film. Um, and I, and it makes it feel like a much better film for it. Like it, it makes it feel more unique. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk before the film came out. Um, unfortunately, about the fact that it seems to be standing out more because of its cast than yeah. the actual content of the film. But I think now you, you're actually able to see the film. I think it's very clear that, you know, the ethnicity of the characters um, has no bearing on, on the actual film itself in terms of it being different. It's not different because it's got a predominantly black cast, it's different because the way they've shaped the film and the way that they represent the characters, especially the, the female characters, yeah, exactly. is different I, to any other Marvel I just, film. I, I've, I've said it to other people. It's exactly what Luke Cage should have been on TV. Yeah, Luke Cage was all about being black, uh, of being a different, different race and a different society. Whereas this doesn't it doesn't want to shove it in your face. It wants you to be part of it, which I think is great. Um, and just, uh, yeah. and it doesn't even matter who the actors are or, or anything. I, I think they really have sold that massively. 
Well, yeah, because the thing is, like, at no point... That, 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 there's no point made in the film about the fact it's set in an African country, a fictional African country, but an African country, or the fact that everyone you're looking at is black. Because yeah. it doesn't matter. The whole thing, the thing is, by not drawing attention to it, by not making a point of it, you accept it for just being a film, which is what you should do. And unfortunately, you know, we do have a society where um, you do have this complete um, unbalance in terms of, of, you know, how cultures and races are represented in the media in general. It's going to put a bit too deep now for a, a podcast that we're involved in. But do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a fact that we're so used to seeing films where, unfortunately, to use that phrase, there is a token black person. Or uh, if there is... Uh, multiple black characters it's talked about the fact that there's black characters yeah. or something about it in this film you are just in their world yeah. and the, the bit that that really kind of stuck out to me was um after they he kind of did the the, the rescue um piece uh like the first kind of fight scene where you see the black panther in action um and he comes back to uh Rakunda. is it Wakanda? Yeah, Rakonda. Um So when he when he he lands back in his ship, and they're talking, and they're they're kind of like taking the mick out of him a little bit because they they said to him to not freeze, yeah. and he did. Uh, when when he when he saw the love interest, um, but at that point, like you're there and you're in this African country, and you don't you you don't really you don't you're not thinking about the fact that you're in this country, you're in this this world, or that you know, everybody there is African. Um, you just see people on screen. And it's at that moment that you think this, you know, you can, you you have to watch it as a film and not as, oh, this is unusual or this is not the kind of usual Marvel film. You just you just see people on screen. And it's, it's a shame that we are kind of colorblind yeah. like that, where that's, that's now seen as a, as a big thing. But that, that is life. And I think... To me, the the best thing about this film in terms of that is the fact that um, it breaks down those barriers, you know. And the shame is that this is the first film like it and it's going to be a while until we see another film like it. But I think this will hopefully start, you know, changing how, we, you know, Hollywood makes films. Um, yeah, and you would hope so. Yeah, I think I, yeah. I, really, I really do hope that's the legacy that it leaves. Yeah. So, so moving on from that subject, let's talk about the two white guys in the film. The um, talking white guys. Yeah. Who you know, I've because, met both of them. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's obviously the talking white guys because they were both in the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And the Hobbit. They were. Um, yeah. So it's, it's it's a bit of wordplay there, listeners. Yeah. Um. But I, I've I've not met either. I have, no, I haven't. I haven't met either actually. So, firstly, how was it like meeting them? Well, I met Andy Circus back during the 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 major Lord of the Rings craze when he he was still Gollum. Um, right. And it it was quite interesting because at the time, Gollum was a bit of one of those characters that you kind of didn't know how to take. We'd only seen him, I think, at the end of one film, and then he was in the second one. And we couldn't kind of hadn't mm. seen the two sides to him at that point. And, and I went and met him. It was actually, there was a lot of Lord of the Rings cast members around at that point. And I went and met him. And you know how you go up to someone and you've got like a sticky note with your name on it if you want it personalised and things like that. I put the photo down. I got a picture of Gollum. And um, I put it down and he, he kind of turned to me and went, who do you want it signing to? And then he looked back and went, stupid fat hobbit. At me, as if to say, oh, fuck that up, haven't I? And the name's on it. <laughs> it was like, oh my God, he's just done the Gollum voice at me for no reason. I've not even asked him or anything. So it was, it was kind of freaky. Um, and I met him again. I met him at the King Kong premiere as well. Um, the, the Peter Jackson oh. one. Way back, mm. way back then. And then Martin Freeman was just a complete mistake. I didn't even mean to. Um, as I've spoken about on um, Ego, just before Christmas, 
um, about Oasis and, and Liam Gallagher and his, his clothing line. And I went to to a like a launch party, an anniversary party for the for the clothing line. Um, and I just had, it was just after Martin Freeman had been cast as as Bilbo, literally weeks after it had been announced. And I was right. I was one of the first in the queue. I got there early. I'd driven down from Nottingham and gone straight into London. Um, and it was in Islington, if I remember rightly. And I was just standing there. And I kind of turned around, and Martin Freeman was standing next to me, just going in. And he was there, and we we ended up having a drink together in size. Um, got a couple of photos. I actually posted one of the photos on our Instagram page um, a couple of days ago. Um, maybe he was absolutely hammered by the time I got a photo with him. Um, but he's got some cocktail in his hand. Um, but was still still really nice and a really nice guy. Um, so it's, it's kind of strange to now see them moving on to, to another genre that I, I absolutely love. Uh, having been a huge Lord of the Rings fan and, and The Hobbit, mm. it's it's kind of nice. And I've kind of started going, well, what if I get something for everybody to sign? I can go and meet them again. Um, so it, it's kind of triggered triggered that love again. And, and Andy Serkis's role, I was really surprised that, spoilers everybody, that he got killed off. He's actually one of one of the major villains of the Black Panther comics. Yeah, I I didn't realise that. Um, I, well, hang on, I realised he got killed off. Um, I, I didn't realise the the role he had in the comics. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I I am a I'm a big fan of Andy Serkis. Um, as you mentioned, like you know. Gollum is probably the, well, it's the role that made him famous. Um, and you know, he went on to do King Kong and he's also in King Kong as a, as a, as a human, as well as playing King Kong. He's got a small part in that film, but a, a lot of people, um, this is, this is the first film they've seen him yeah. not, uh, m- like motion capping uh, a character. Uh, which which is a shame because actually you know Andy Serkis has been in a fair few films as a normal actor, but yeah. um, they're normally lower budget or not not as popular, well known films. So yes. this is probably well he was also in Age of Ultron, wasn't he? Um, but but you know the the most ho- high profile um, role he's had in terms of seeing him on the screen to a lot of people. Um, and I, I actually really enjoyed his performance. Yeah. I, I thought he, he nailed the accent. I thought that was really good, which is mm. obviously a, a, a big part of what he does with the mocap in anyway. He's using his voice to, to sell the character. So it's not a huge surprise, but really the, the, the set pieces with him involved in and, and kind of triggering Killmonger to, to make his way back to Wakanda. Um, before he kills him, is mm. is a big part of the story. Um, it's, as I said, it is yeah. just a shame that they have now killed him off and he, he probably won't be coming back. Well, anything is possible in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yep, exactly, especially with the films that are coming up shortly, mm. um, with the Infinity Gauntlet being able to rise people back from the well, dead. I was just, just going to ask that, because I, I thought that was one of the uh, the powers is that you can yeah. kind of bring bring things back to life. So um, we don't yeah. know. I, well, it's not. It's definitely not been an, announced or mentioned that he is in the Avengers films um, no. coming up. But you know, you never know. I suppose. No. Uh, and moving on to Martin Freeman, obviously that that role originated in in Civil War, um, mm. coming back as Everett Ross plays a. Um, Again, another massive part. I was really surprised at how long he was in, well, he was in the bulk of the film. It's only really the first twenty minutes that he's not in. Yeah, kind of. Once he appears on screen, he's he's in the film a lot more than I expected him to. Um, and I've got to be honest, like I, I wasn't. I like Martin Freeman. I mean, like a lot of English people, um, I first kind of noticed him in the Office, um, in the original version of the Office. Um, and I, and I liked him in that, but I, I can't say I'm a massive fan of his acting. I do find him quite samey. Um, saying that, I think he's Watson's brilliant in, in the Sherlock, yeah. uh, I, I suppose you can call them series, but the, the, the films anyway, yeah. whatever. Um, you know, I like him in that. Um, and I wasn't a big fan of him in, in Civil War. Um, 
And although he had more to do in this film, I wasn't entirely convinced. And I am, after all the kind of positive stuff I've been saying about, um, you know, the fact he's got such a, 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 a black cast um, in this film, um, I do kind of feel that he his role in this film could have easily have been Nick Fury. Yeah. And I do wonder if the reason why it wasn't is because of the fact that it was a black cast. And so it, you know, and I know, I, I, don't get me wrong, I know this is a lead on as well from Civil War. And this will also lead us into Infinity War as well. But I did kind of feel that that could have quite easily been Nick Fury. Yeah, and interestingly, there's a line in Black Panther that means Everett Ross may possibly be in a film with Nick Fury um, in the next year or so in Captain Marvel when Everett says that he was a pilot. Right, yes, of course. Which looks like he will possibly be working alongside Carol Danvers in the US Air Force mm. at some point. Uh, I can't imagine that that was just a throwaway line. I would imagine it means something. Well, it's, well especially as well, because um, I know that some... I, I don't know all of, of what they're going to do with Captain Marvel, but I do know with some of the stuff that they've shot that it's set in the 80s. Yeah, I believe the bulk of, of it is. going to be set in the 80s. Um, right. So in which case, it, I mean, it could be... It could be that he's in that film, or it could be the characters in that film played by someone else. Um, yeah, possibly in the same way that obviously Howard Howard Stark was played by multiple people over the years. But at the same time, they've you know, depending on how big a role he's got in that film, the, the characters go in that film, they could just do similar to what they've done with um, you know Robert Downey Jr. and and a lot of people recently in the yeah. de aging. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see if they recast that or they they have him in that film. But yeah, I think you're right. I don't, I don't think it's the last we've seen of him. Yeah, he's he's definitely said he's got more films on his contract. So he's definitely going to be around. So I think that's covered the... Just, well, just one other quick thing before we move on. How do you like his accent? Because I, I, I'm not a fan of the accent. Uh, I don't think he does a bad job. His his voice is very understated, even in his own accent. Um, mm. So it's kind of difficult to tell whether he's he's got it right or not. Um, just because, and hopefully no one's going to take offence to this, Americans' accents are fairly brash most of the time um, and loud. Um, well, that's, compared that's, to that's a Brit, well. The the thing is, like I I think in the across the UK, there's probably about fifteen accents. Yeah, I can think of, maybe not even that many, but certainly like with slight variations, probably about fifteen twenty accents in total. It does seem that in America, that because of how big the country is as well, you do get a lot more accents. So we get the very traditional, like you say, like the the brash New Yorker or the the. California surfer or, you know, that kind of thing. You get those very kind of big outlandish ones, but there's also a lot of kind of understated accents. And what I think is interesting is that I remember when House started with Hugh Laurie, and I remember seeing that and thinking, my God, his accent's awful. And yet Americans were shocked to find out, like to see him being interviewed and him talking his his usual accent because they were convinced he was American because it was so good. So that could just be because of what we believe American accents are and what the reality is. So actually, it, it could be a, a very good one, and I'm just being overly yeah. critical of it. Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's difficult to tell, certainly for, for us Brits, whether it's it's right or not. So moving on, there was there was a few more side characters, and we'll, we'll kind of all throw them in, into a group. So we've got, obviously, the recently... Oscar-nominated Daniel Kaluuya uh, playing Wakabe. Uh, we've got yeah. Winston Duke playing Mabuku, or Man-Ape, as his comic book character's called, but was was removed from the film for obvious reasons. Um, we've got Angela Bassett playing T'Challa's mum. Uh, Forrest Whitaker playing kind of his his guru-type type guy. And another guy that obviously is... Is dealing with Disney a lot recently, having been in in Rogue One as well, um, and 
another mm. person that I met a long time ago and is now having a hugely successful career with um, American Crime Story being in O.J. Simpson versus The People versus O.J. Simpson. Um, in Sterling K. Brown, I met him at a supernatural convention oh. 10 years ago. I didn't realise he was in um, after, Yeah, he was, he was in one of the, uh, a couple of the early seasons. He played a, a vampire hunter that ended up actually becoming a vampire. Right. Um, and being killed off later on in the, in the series. So I, I met him, it was 2008 I met him. So wow. now obviously he's become really popular over the last few years with his, his performances in, in The People versus A.J. Simpson and, and other things recently that he's, he's doing massively. So that, that, that group of people is really quite legendary in ways. A lot of them have, have been nominated for Oscars and, and other awards and, and even won some of them. So it, it's kind of shocking just how much depth there is in this, this cast. Well, yeah, because as you said, like, um, obviously Daniel Kalua uh, or however you pronounce his name, it's terrible, isn't it? Um, but he just won this week. He won a BAFTA for, I don't know why he, he won the BAFTA for Rising Star, but he did. Um, I've been, I've noticed him for about, oh, uh, probably about 10 years now. The first thing I ever saw him on was um, Harry and Paul, the <laughs> Harry Enfield and Paul Whitehouse thing, where he played a character called Parking Patawayo, which was kind of like a, a spoof of Postman Pat and a traffic warden, um, but, but very memorable. Um, and he's been in, in, in skins and, and lots of things. But obviously, the last few years, he's started to get bigger roles. Uh, it's like he had a very big part in a, in a famous Black Mirror episode, and of course, Get Out has been uh, a massive, massive success. Um, and yeah, Sterling K. Brown won, uh, I think he won a Golden Globe for uh, This Is Us, yeah. which uh, I don't know if you've, you've ever seen that show, but not. it's it's amazing. It's 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 probably the best comedy drama I've seen in forever. Um, it was completely shunted over here. It's it's not. Um, it, it's a, it's quite an American show, um, but I, I just don't think it found its audience here. I think it was shown at odd times, but. Um, He's fantastic in it. And I was watching that at the same time I was watching the OJ Simpson thing you mentioned. And he's great in that, but in uh, This Is Us, even better. And uh, yeah, rightfully so, he's, he's kind of being picked out for awards. And yeah, Angela Bassett has, has uh, you know, been, had quite the career. Um, and again, award recognition, like you say. So yeah, they've got some very big uh, and popular actors uh, in this film, and, and they really, and again, Forrest Whitaker being being killed off in the middle of the film, uh, it's not something new to him. And we we saw that with Rogue One that he was no, uh, but really just a, a fully enjoyable cast. And, and Winston Duke as Mabuku, I felt he went from went from villain to to hero before the end of the film. Um, I, I I don't know who that guy is. Like this was the first time I, I've really seen him in anything, um, but I thought both the character was was a, it was an interesting character, but I thought he was great in the role. Yeah, and and he is back in Infinity War, um, so we are going to see him again. Oh. Um, fairly shortly. Um, but he's been mm. in he's been in a few episodes of Modern Family, Person of Interest. He's not been in loads, um, but has become really quite popular in a short space of time. Mm. So, so let's talk. There's, there's one other character that I, I want to talk about, and it's, it's one that people will probably say, oh, it's not a character, but I want to talk about Wakanda and just how beautiful they made that place. It, it's probably it's probably the most beautiful-looking Marvel film. Because yeah. of that, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know who was behind the production uh, design of, of of it, but um, uh, yeah, breathtaking. Yeah, and and I know I I pointed out the other day that we were I was listening to to another Disney podcast. There are other Disney podcasts available other than Diz After Dark. I listen to sometimes um, at the Diz, and they were saying that how popular it would be if they actually built it in one of the theme parks. 
I, I think, um, I mean, we're, we're saying we talked about this after dark quite a lot is, is obviously, uh, Pandora, the world of Avatar, um, which kind of felt like it was a, what well, it was, it was a knee jerk reaction. It was, there's no other way of, of talking about it. It was a knee jerk reaction to Potter. It's come far too late after Avatar, the first Avatar came out and we're still waiting for the second, third and fourth ones, which are now being made, but we're, we're a good few years before seeing them. Now, had things kind of panned out differently, you could have seen that area being used for that. Yeah, definitely. And maybe, and maybe slowly but, still, I mean, I know there's still room in that park. So, yeah, you know, maybe that's what they'll decide to do. And I hope they do. Cause, um, yeah, I think that would draw people heavily. Yeah. So uh, I think that kind of covers the, the main bulk of the points that we want to bring up. Let's talk talk storyline and, and how you thought it it worked and, and everything. Because I know you had some maybe some issues with the, the actual film as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I, I say that. I mean, that sounds a lot more negative. Uh, I mean, one thing I will say from from the outset is that the last Marvel film that came out was Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, and I love Thor Ragnarok. Um, and I and I was like, oh yeah, I can't wait to see that again. But this is the first Marvel film I can think of where I want to go back and see it at the cinema. Yeah. So although I've turned around and... I think the problem is is that some people have talked about this film as being like the second coming of film. Yeah. And I don't think it's it's that good. No. But that's not to say that I don't think it is extremely good. And um, yeah, I, I do, I do want to go back and see it. So even if I'm being negative about it, I actually really enjoy the film in, in some ways a lot. Um, but the film starts off in 1992, yeah. wasn't it? Um, in LA, um, which is where you see, uh, Sterling K Brown. Um, and I think what's interesting about that is that it's, you know, they've picked, they've picked that time frame uh, and the location for, you know, in a, in a very kind of clever way, because, um, it's set in LA in 92 on the TV is the Rodney King, um, yeah. attack that was going on and was causing a lot of unrest uh, there at the time, um, especially with, with black communities. And it was a time when there was mass tension, um, which is alluded to in that because of uh, the room being kind of like full of weapons. They, yeah. They're trying to desperately hide away because they think the police are there. Um, but that that is quite a footnote in recent history about, um, I don't want to say black power, um, cause that's not really what that kind of thing was about, but it was at a time where, when the racial tension was at, you know, at probably its, its highest it had been in a long time. Um, and so it was interesting that they, you know, chose that and that situation. Yeah. No, to it's be a, where it's, they and it's a really good starting point as well. Cause it kind of, it gives you a feeling of, of what's coming from Wakanda as well. Um, in that, in that power struggle, I think. It kind of sets up sets up a story there um, and gives you a good view of, of the power of the Black Panther as well, straight off the bat um, with T'Chaka. Yeah, exactly. And then then we kind of obviously move forward into into modern time. We find that the story sets sets up right after Civil War. Um, we know where where that's set from because we see yeah. uh, Zemo. Um, being announced that he's been arrested and is in in custody, um, and T'Challa on his way from kind of capturing him, and is on his way back, um, but having to stop yeah. to, as we previously mentioned, rescue um, his love interest, even though she doesn't really want rescuing, um, and telling telling his. And I think that's I think. Sorry, I was just going to say, I think that's an interesting dynamic there as well, because the thing is, again, traditionally, when you've got, you know, a love interest or whatever, you know, however you want to describe it, it's because, uh, you know, the woman can't handle herself. Yeah. Or she's in a situation where, you know, she might be in trouble. And yet, really, 
whilst she was in danger, she was in control. Yeah, no, she was in complete control. And, and I love the fact that um, the guard is told to stay behind, yet she's she's not going to stay behind <laughs> and comes down and no. she saves T'Challa at that point. Um, yeah. Which I thought was a, a really great kind of introduction to the, the strength of the, the females in the film, as we mentioned mm. before. Uh, and I think that now sets up kind of what Killmonger is after, that change where it kind of then tells us that they don't really want to be involved in anybody else's problems, or at least he doesn't, um, that he wants to keep it to themselves, whereas she actually does want to take that that technology and, and the money and, and everything to help elsewhere, and which Killmonger kind of picks up on. Interestingly, that they, they're kind of... They're kind of opposites, Killmonger and and the love interest. I can, can't even remember her name. It's completely gone from my head. Um, Lupita Nyong'o's character. Um, yeah. That they're kind of fighting for the same thing, yet different ends of the spectrum yeah. to fight for that thing. And I, I find that quite interesting that it's at times it's actually different characters it, not interacting with each other, but their stories kind of telling the same storyline, but in different ways. Yes. Uh, and then, uh, then we kind of, uh, we talked about the, the chase scene earlier with the, the holographic car, um, which I thought was, was brilliant. That, that whole set piece was just fantastic. Introducing all the characters that you want to meet. Um, and and just pitting everybody against each other, I think it, it really sets the the stall for what we what we then later see in in other fight scenes. So, yeah. And is there any scenes in in the film that stand out for you, Nick? Um, I mean that that I mean that that first kind of chase scene is is obviously featured quite heavily in the first trailer. Well. The, the main trailers that they release so you kind of unfortunately you sometimes get this problem we talked about trailer fatigue before where you sometimes see these things in the films and because you've seen a lot of the kind of highlights of of scenes when you're watching the whole thing it kind of lessens the impact as if you didn't really have it revealed another classic one recently is the hulk in the ragnarok trailer because had they kind of kept that hidden that would have been a great reveal in the film. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was good to see in the trailer, but you know, you lose that element of surprise. Um, I think, so for that, that kind of knocks that down a couple of notches for me. But um, I think the the scenes that really stood out uh, initially were the the kind of, not not coronation, but the, the challenging to the throne. Yeah. Yeah. Both, in fact, were really good, really well thought that they were they were different they weren't weren't the same there was a- no and I, I, I think they were both i think what was interesting about them as well is um it seemed to draw on some heritage yeah um so, some tradition sorry um what i mean with the chanting with the uh the attires um you know you you got a feel that you was kind of getting a bit of an insight into uh, the culture, uh, some of the African cultures and traditions. Um, and I think that, that also made it stand out. But absolutely, although you you got two essentially similar fight scenes um, in, in terms of how they kind of start and, and where they're set, but actually, like you say, like they were both completely yeah. different. And and I really I really like that they they sold it differently. Obviously, it, it had a bit of a Game of Thrones feel to it, where you do have those kind of, especially the one with mm-hmm. with the mountain and and the prince. Uh, it, it had a very similar feeling to that. Obviously, not quite as violent. Marvel films are obviously not going to have people poking eyes out. Though obviously, Thor lost his in the, in the last film, um, but mm. in a way, it just had that that very similar feeling to that to that fight scene from, from Game of Thrones, which is, is not no bad thing because it's one of the most popular episodes. So 
definitely took some some feeling from that. And obviously, mm. Ryan Kogel has got previous with with Creed having directed that, so he knows he knows how to direct a fight scene. Yeah. Like, there's certainly no problems there. Um, and then uh, we'll go kind of onto the the end of the movie when won't keep everybody too long. Um, we try not to anyway. Um, but that, that final fight scene when T'Challa comes back to take the throne back, um, that involved everybody. Um, just, uh, again, that had kind of a Lord of the Rings feel. And I think, I think we're going to get that with Infinity War going back to Wakanda. We know there's a, another huge fight scene in Wakanda from, from Infinity War. Um, it didn't feel like some of those those scenes kind of felt overly CGI and like you don't feel like you're you're in amongst it. Whereas this one really felt like you were there with them. Um, all, all the different different bits. Obviously, there's the bit with T'Challa and Kilmonger on the the train track on the the magnetic field, which was great as well. But just that that big fight in in the fields. Mm. Uh, with the the rhinos and and everything, uh, and I thought the CGI was really great. I've seen some people complain about it. Um, yeah, I I was quite surprised actually that people said, "Oh, it turns a bit of a CGI fest." I mean, you know, did these people not see Wonder Woman or Justice League last yeah, year? Exactly, they had some appalling CGI, and you know, and they again like Black Panther, huge huge budget films. Um, I thought the CGI in this was was good. I mean, I, I can't say it was, it was perfect. A lot of these things aren't. But in terms of like these type of films, I didn't think there was anything really no, wrong with it. I didn't at all. And really, and I, as we, I probably want to go and see it again. I, I don't know if I'll get to, but um, there was so much that you could have missed in those scenes as well, like people in the background fighting that you might not have noticed, and and things like that. And it just there was so much. It was it's such a visual spec spectacle that. There was just so much to take in. Yeah. No, I think I think you're right. And it, again, I think another th- thing about that kind of final fight scene is the fact that you had. Uh, I just looked her up. Um, she plays Nakia. That's uh, yes. That's and then go. Um, you know, you had uh, her and Shuri um, fighting Killmonger at one point, and um, you know, again, like, usually in these kind of films, you know. The, the women are kind of taken out a bit early. I mean, even somebody like Black Widow, who until this film is probably the strongest female character they've had in a Marvel film, um, isn't as well written um, or gets those kind of big fight scenes like they did. You know, yeah, especially she normally has like that one big set piece yeah. in a film, and then the rest of it's kind of her running around shooting people. Whereas this, there was actual full on fight scenes. And the, and fighting the main villain again, like yeah. Black Widow is normally fighting henchmen or you know a secondary kind of villain, but they were going, they were fighting the main villain until yeah. obviously uh, Black Panther and him kind of went off to um, you know fight to the end. Um, but yeah, and, I, and like again, I think that's another thing that makes it really stand out in in terms of the the superhero genre that we are accustomed to. Yeah, exactly, and I, and I think that's what really, really sells this film. And and I'm not going to beat around the bush. I really loved last year's films. I loved Spider Man, I loved Guardians, and I loved Thor. For me, this this tops all three of them already, and it's only the first one of the three this wow. year. Um, yeah, and and really, I'm looking forward to seeing it again. As I said, I don't know whether I'll get back to the cinema again. Uh, before it it comes out, I know it's it's gonna it's gonna last for a while with how well it's doing, and and let's just talk about how well it has done. Um, one hundred and ninety two million dollars for three days in the states is just for a film that was wasn't particularly well known um, to then do over over two hundred million dollars for a four day weekend, um, and it's become the second biggest weekend ever in the States, I think, and is is knocking records down day by day at the moment, and only being beaten by Star Wars is it's just ridiculous. Well, the other thing as well, and this goes back to what I said earlier on about them shoving it out in February. I mean, okay, if you look at the schedule for this year, you know, Avengers Infinity War Part 1 
comes out in May. So really they didn't have, and, and also they wanted to avoid Star Wars. So yeah, Thor come out in November. Then you had Star Wars, which wasn't as big as they expected it to be, or hasn't had the legs that they expected it to, not like the Force Awakens did. So they didn't have much time to release the Black Panther before Infinity War came out. So whilst February looked like a bad time, it's actually worked out well. And what's been amazing is not just the amount that it's made, which is, you know, record-breaking itself, but it's a film that's come out in February. Now, yeah. you know, films that come out in January and February, um, even, you know, like the early part of March, it's seen as down season. It's where yeah. you stick films out when you're not too sure how they're going to do or um, you don't expect them to do particularly well. This has smashed all, all kinds of records. It's yeah. it's become a phenomenon in a very short space of time. And um, as I said, I, I think it's made people kind of really, well, it would have made people at Marvel sit up and go, well, yeah. you know, why did we not do this sooner? Yep. Um, and now it's what they're going to do next. Yeah. It's because do they wait you know, and make sure they get it right? Or do they bring another film out straight away? Do they budge something in the, in the schedule to fit it in? I think they, they're going to want to cash in quickly. And whether that means he gets a bigger role in the Avengers films than he was going to, I don't know. Um, just to keep him in that that public eye, I think I think they're going to want to do something with him. Well, it's interesting as well because, like, if you think back to the first Guardians, now when the first Guardians come out, you know they obviously thought they might have a hit on their hands, but we didn't. Yeah. Um, we know, but we was all no. pleasantly surprised. But at the end of Guardians, it does say the Guardians of the Galaxy will return, which is quite a bold statement yeah. when you don't know how well that film's going to do. Now with this. It did yeah. say the Black Panther um, will be seen in, or I, I can't remember if it said it will return or will be seen in, in Avengers Infinity War. But it kind of yeah. said he's going to be in the next film. It didn't say he will return. So I don't yeah. think their original plans were this is going to be its own franchise like Cap, like Thor, like um, Avengers, whatever. Um, I think they were kind of seeing yeah. it more as a, a one-off, but I think now that's had to they've had to rethink that. I do think they will be rethinking yeah. that as we speak. Yeah, and 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 kind of talking about that, the 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 end credit scenes, the the two of them, the first one is kind of within buying the the buildings in in LA where Killmonger lived. Yeah. Um, Seems like they were setting something else up that possibly he was he wasn't going to have his own franchise as such, but they were going to going to spin the Avengers off and and use that as the the West Coast Avengers, which is is a massive storyline in the in the comics. Mm. And, and I think that might have possibly been where they were going that they they didn't really think that they needed to carry on his story on his own. Um, that he'd have right. kind of because obviously Ant Man's set in San Francisco, so he's he's West Coast as well. I think the feeling was that possibly they were going to set up a new Avengers team um, with the way this new one, these two Infinity War films are, are going to pan out. We're probably going to lose the bulk of the Avengers as we know them. So I wonder whether that was their original plan was that they were going to set off, set up an offshoot. Um, mm. which, uh, it's just interesting where they, they would pick to have it in California like that. Um, whether that story, that that feeling changes now with how popular it's been or whether they continue on that line. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was, that was kind of the end of the film and the, the first, first end credit scene, but the one right at the end. And I, I think everybody was kind of expecting it, um, that we would see, uh, Sergeant James Bucky Buchanan at some point after how he was, he was left at the end of civil war in, in T'Challa's hands. Um, or hand in this case, um, <laughs> but it was it was telling. He was I think he was always going to be in there at some point. And I know Ryan Coogler said that he was never going to be in the in the main film. He was always planned for the the end credit scene. Um, and it was a nice way of, of kind of having him out in a village. So, yeah, and I, I mean the thing is that, that end credit scene is a, for me the problem with the Marvel Cinematic Universe which is, I'd forgotten all that. 
because I hadn't seen, <laughs> I watched Civil War, um, you know, almost two years ago now. Um, I didn't watch it when it first came out, but I watched it, I think, when it first came out on, you know, to rent or whatever. So uh, about four or five months after it came out in the cinema. So that was the first and only time I'd seen it. Um, and yeah. I'd just forgotten that there was that kind of link to it. So yeah. when you turned up, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I think I remember something now. And I think that's the problem sometimes. I mean, it's why my wife struggles um, yeah. with them. Because she gets confused with who knows who and what happened with who and, you yeah. know, unless it involves Star-Lord, you know, she gets very confused. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, that's pos- possibly why they decided just to put him in that end credit scene rather than having him in the in the whole movie, just to, to yeah. kind of avoid that confusion. And the, the other telling point of that scene is is the colours that he's wearing. Okay. He's wearing blue and, blue and red. And who wears colours that are blue and red? Superman, of course. Cap. Well, yeah. <laughs> Superman does. Yes. But, uh, so does a certain Captain America. Um, and I, I think that is where it's now heading. I think we it's, probably will see the end of Steve Rogers. It's been, it's been very long rumoured. And obviously, you know, if you look back in, in comics and the history of Cap, um, you know, it wouldn't be too much of a surprise for people. Um, but I, I, mean, I, I do generally think if if they do what they are threatening to do with these Avengers films, and they do start offing characters off because of them coming up to the end of their contracts and doing the role for ten years and stuff like that, and you know people obviously want to move on to new things, um, I think it'll be a shock for a lot of people because you know comic book fans. And people that have read comics are kind of used to not necessarily liking, but they're they're used to, you know, Peter Parker giving up Spider Man, yeah, and someone taking it over, or uh, you know, it's it's happened with everyone. You know, there's been different Batman's, there's been different Robins, there's been different um, Spider Men, um, and there's been different Captain Americas, different Thors. It, it, it happens, but in these films you have grown to understand these actors and the playing these characters are playing those heroes. So if they start doing what they look like they will do, it's going to shock people. Yeah, I think think it will. And and maybe that's what it needs after 10 years. It does need that. And, and Black Panther's kind of started it with a, with a different feel to it. And maybe a couple of deaths might make a difference as well. And, and just freshen it up a little bit. And I, I, and I think uh, mm. at this point that we can kind of say that there are certainly new leaders emerging amongst the, the Avengers. T'Challa is one of them. Um, I th- certainly think I could see him leading an Avengers team. And and you talked up earlier that you haven't seen Doctor Strange. I can certainly see Stephen leading an Avengers team as well. Um, so there's there's definitely okay. there's definitely some new leaders emerging amongst them. Um, people that need advice like Peter certainly still is in the infancy of being a superhero. Um, people like Wanda as well, I think are going to need guidance at some point. Um, like in the comic book, she is actually trained by Dr. Strange. So we shall see where they're, where they're going to go with this team. Right. So, so I think that kind of, that talks up the, the film. Craig always makes us do this and has to, we have to give a, a Craig score out of a hundred. Um, rather than out of ten, we have to do it out of a hundred. So, so Nick, I know I know you gave it a mark, and I don't. That's true. On on Diz After Dark, and I don't know whether your opinions changed after you've been able to kind of sit and dwell on it a little bit. Um, but what what kind of score would you give it? Um, I I think I would probably give it about an eighty-seven. And weirdly, I'm going to say roughly about the same. I, I would say it's definitely in that that high eighties. Um, I really thought yeah. we were going to have a different different opinion on on what to to score it, but um, I, you know, I, I think the thing is, like I said, when I first went in there and I, I saw it, just uh, you know, just as it opened and everything like that, and I, I knew a few people that had seen it, and and I'd unfortunately seen what a few people had said about things, and obviously. Um, also in, in some interviews where people said about stuff and said a lot of people were saying it was going to be like the, 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 
the next coming of, of superhero films. You know, it was the best superhero film ever, all this kind of stuff. And I kind of just left there feeling a little bit um, underwhelmed. I think that was the problem. I felt a bit underwhelmed on, on how much it was hyped up. But when I've to kind of stepped back and I've you know, let it sink in a little bit more and, and digested it, I've realised actually how many things in that film I did like. Um, and, and that's probably another reason why I want to go and see it again because I think that might even change my opinion again about the film. But interestingly, I know uh, people, and like I said, I talked about it pop after that uh, the other day, that um, my friend who watched it the same time as I did, um, on reflection, he didn't enjoy it as much as when he left the cinema. So it's it's weird that when you kind of, I suppose it's like having a good meal. You know, once it, it's going in, you have one opinion of it. And when you kind of let it digest a little bit, yeah. you feel different about it. Um, and you think about it differently. And I think that's the same with films. Um, but I think it's, it's an incredibly important film. I'm really pleased it's done as well as it has. And while I don't think it is the, the best Marvel film ever or anything like that, um, I, I think it's certainly, up there in in terms of um, of output. Yeah, and and see, I was I was the opposite. I went into it not really that bothered about it. I I tend to ignore what a lot of people say beforehand and go in with a with a clean slate. And and as I said, it wasn't one of my most anticipated films in the MCU by any means. And I think that kind of gave me a better view of it because I went into it not expecting much mm. and then finding that it was actually a really great film um, and really enjoyable. I, I think Infinity War has got quite the, uh, the the level to hit to to do. I mean, it's going to do amazingly well. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it will probably break records itself. But what I mean is the bar for this year has been set high already. Um, yeah, it really has. Yeah, it's it's got to step up to the plate now. Yeah, it really has. So I'm sure everybody will hear us on, on Diz After Dark will be talking about all sorts of things when it comes to the Marvel stuff going in parks and, and stuff. So go and listen to, to us on there. I just want to say thank you, Nick, for, for filling in tonight. Um, I tried to give you fair warning Pleasure. at the beginning of another week. Um, <laughs> once I knew that everybody hadn't gone and seen it at the weekend, it was kind of like... Right, next thing, it. Let's try and get him on. Um, so, thank you for that. Um, it's always a pleasure chatting with you. Um, we're we're trying to be a bit more active on our Instagram account. Um, I've posted a fair few photos, including that one of me and Martin Freeman um, having a drink. Um, that's up there. So, go and follow that. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, wherever else we are. Um, Go and give us a review. We've had a couple of reviews on on iTunes now, um, which hopefully is helping great for, greatly uh, for people to find us. So on that note, thank you again for listening, and, and thank you, Nick, for joining me. And we'll be back in, in two weeks. We're going to try and keep to a regular schedule now um, of every every couple of weeks. So we'll be back uh, with an X-Men uh, retrospect. I know we keep saying we're going to do that, but we are actually doing it this time. Um, before our reviews of Jessica Jones season two starts. So keep listening to us and, and we'll be back uh, in your ears before too long. Thanks, everybody. See ya. This podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast Network.